You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you um, for the ability to come together as your church and to just come together in your house and, and spend the morning worshiping you, God. Lord, I ask that as we uh, come here this morning that we just... Uh, we just ask you to prepare our hearts for what it is that you have planned for us, God. It's not my words. It's not anyone else's words. But allow today to be your words spoken to your people, God. And prepare our hearts so that when we leave here today, these aren't just, this isn't just a message heard on a Sunday morning, but we can actually take what we learned today and apply it to our week, apply it to our lives to bring glory to you and to grow a little bit closer to you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we get to start a new series that we're going to be walking through over the next four weeks on the book of Esther. Uh, but before we jump into her story, I'd like to start with just sharing with you guys uh, just a quick reading about a hymnist that, that is by the name of William Cooper. So if you could just listen as I read aloud. At 32 years of age, William Cooper passed through a great crisis in his life. He tried to end his life by taking ludinum. Then he hired a coach and was driven to the Thames, uh, intending to throw himself into the river. But some power seemed to restrain him, and he did not. The next morning, he fell upon a knife, but the blade broke, and his life was saved. He then tried to hang himself and was cut down unconscious, but still alive. One morning, in a moment of strange cheerfulness, he took up his Bible and read a verse in the letter to the Romans. In a moment, he received strength to believe and rejoice in the forgiving power of God. Some years later, after he had passed through a rich Christian experience and had written many beautiful hymns, Cooper sat down one day and summed up his faith in God's dealing with him and with many other men. In the great hymn on divine providence, he wrote these words, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. And if you heard that first line, it said, God moves in a mysterious way. And we hear that a lot nowadays. You know, we'll always hear people mention, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. God uh, acts in mysterious ways. And, you know, for us, it's a pretty common phrase. But you can look back and actually date it to when Cooper wrote it in this hymn. And what's interesting about when we read William Cooper's story is that he went through a pretty dark time in his life. You know, he went through seasons where he really felt disconnected from God. He actually wanted to commit suicide, wanted to take his life away from himself, and and actually tried to do it. Um, But when he looked back and when he actually wasn't able to commit suicide, he ended up reconciling with God and built a relationship with God so that when he looked back at those hard seasons in life, um, he realized that it wasn't just failed attempts at suicide. But it was God's hand over the situation and God guiding him through life because God had a purpose, had a calling for William Cooper's life that he knew that he just had to be worked through those tough times to see how God was moving in his life. And so it wasn't failed attempts in a dark time, but it was actually looking back and seeing God moving in ways that he wasn't even able to notice. 
And that's kind of the same thing that we see in the story of Esther. As we go through today, we're going to see how God was able to work in Esther's life and the life of the people to have his plan worked out. And not only that, but it's the same way that God's working in our life today. You see, God has a great redemptive story. He has a plan. He has a purpose for all of us. And it's bigger than any human's plans. It's bigger than anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. And sometimes we go through times where we might feel like God is distant or we might not see him at work, but it doesn't change the fact that he is in control, that he does have a plan, that he is at work, and that his plan is greater than anything else that anyone could ever think of. Amen? So today, my goal is to introduce to you guys this story of Esther. Who was Esther? What was going on at that time? And pull out four truths from her story that we can talk about and see how can we apply her story to our life today. Because what's interesting about the, the story of Esther is that when you look at what happened in this story, uh, we still see it celebrated today. You know, my wife and I, we actually have some Jewish relatives and we asked them about this, this story because there's a holiday called Purim that you can still see celebrated in Jewish cultures every year. And so we reached out to, to our relatives and we asked, is, is this holiday still taking place? Do people still celebrate this? And, and they told us they do. You know, it's something that's still celebrated by Jewish people every year about what God was able to do in Esther's life. But the other interesting thing is that even though it's still celebrated today, what God was able to do in this story, uh, God's name's not mentioned in the book of Esther. You know, if you look through the book, if you read the story, uh, you'll notice that God's name isn't mentioned in it. And so it's kind of odd to see like, oh, we celebrate what God did, but we don't actually see God's name in the picture. But I promise you this today, and this is the point I want you guys to stick on to, that just because we don't acknowledge God, just because we don't see God, or we acknowledge that God exists in the story, doesn't mean that he's not working behind the scenes. It doesn't mean that he wasn't the one at work in Esther's life or in the people of Israel's life. And so the people of Israel can look back and they still celebrate what God was able to pull them through, what he was able to do through this story, and how significant it was back then for God's overall story that it's still celebrated today. So what happened in the book of Esther? Um, We know that our main character is Esther, and um, Esther was an orphan Jewish girl. And she was actually living in a foreign land. She was living in the Persian Empire. So we know the story of, you know, the people of Israel. They were brought out of Egypt. They wandered through the desert. They went into the promised land. Uh, They were able to live there. Their kingdom got separated. They were then exiled out of the promised land. And so now they're foreigners again in the Persian Empire. And so Esther was a Jewish orphan girl living in this Persian empire, not a whole lot going for her, until one day she meets King, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, King Ahasuerus. And King Ahasuerus is the king of Persia. And he just exiles his wife, he banishes his wife because he was dishonored by her, and now he's looking for a new wife. And so he tells all his men, go out into the land, find all the beautiful young women, the women that could possibly be my wife, bring them in and I will choose the next queen of Persia. And so Esther comes in and she's one of those women and the king is like, whoa, that's her. 
And he sees Esther and he knows that this is going to be his next wife. So that Esther goes from being an orphan Jewish girl in a foreign land, not a whole lot going for her, to now the most powerful woman in Persia, the queen of the Persian empire, the wife of the king. And that's what we see happening in Esther's life. But then we, we kind of transition and we see two other characters in the story. We see her uncle Mordecai and we see the evil villain named Haman. See, Mordecai, just like her, was a Jewish man living in the Persian Empire. He didn't have a whole lot going for him, but we knew he was a righteous man. He was a guy that was trying to live his life out for God. In fact, he even saved the king by, by kind of debunking an assassination attempt. And so the Persian people saw Mordecai, even though he was a foreigner, even though he was a Jew, he was still someone that deserved respect, someone that still deserved some honor. And then Haman, the villain of the story, is the king's second-hand man who's kind of running the show, who's kind of in control of everything going on. And he has a problem not only with Mordecai, but with all the people of Israel. And so Mordecai and him get in a fight. Mordecai's not going to honor him. He's not going to bow down to Haman. And so Haman gets mad. And not only does Haman want to take down Mordecai, not only does he want to get rid of Mordecai, but he wants to get rid of all the Jewish people that he can. And so he comes up with a plot. He talks with the king and he tells the king, listen, let's put this law in place. Let's put this decree in place that we can get rid of all the Jewish people living in our land. And the king's like, sure, why not? That's, that's fine. Um, so then Mordecai hears this. Mordecai knows he's in trouble. Listen, Haman's out to get me. Haman wants to kill me, not only me, but he wants to kill all the Jewish people. And I'm pretty sure that's not good. So he ends up going to his niece. He ends up going to the queen, to Esther. And he wants to talk to her and try to get her to get involved, to try to stop this from happening. And so I want to pause right there, and I want us to go into Scripture. If you have your Bibles today, you can turn to uh, Esther chapter 4. But if you don't, we're going to pull it from the screen, and you can just read along as I read out loud. But what we're going to read is Esther talking to her uncle, to Mordecai. Because Esther is in a position of power. She is the queen of the Persian Empire. And she has the ability to get involved and try to help save the Jewish people living in this land. But Esther's a little bit nervous about it. You know, for her, her, her husband doesn't know that she's Jewish. He doesn't know that she's a part of the people that are trying to get wiped out. And furthermore, even if she goes and talks to him and goes about it in the wrong way, that's the death sentence for her. And so for Esther, she's living in a comfortable part of her life. Everything's going her way. So why would she want to get involved and cause trouble for herself? And that's kind of where we're going to pick up. So Esther chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. And what we see happening here is we can see Mordecai is a trustworthy man of God. And he knows that regardless of what Esther does, God has a plan for the Jewish people. God knows what he wants to do with the Jewish people. And he trusts that even if Esther doesn't get involved, God's going to work it out for his greater plan. But we read on. 
Um, deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do, and when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, Mordecai's talking to the queen and is telling her, hey, it's not a coincidence that an orphan girl from a foreign land is now the queen of the entire empire. God didn't just put you there as a coincidence. You are there for a reason. And Mordecai is calling Esther to rise up and to make a difference for the Jewish people. And Esther finally agrees. So she goes to the king and the king realizes what's going on. And so the king says, yeah, we're not, we're not going to fulfill that law. We're not going to let that happen. But not only that, but he starts to see the evil and the villain that Haman really is. So not only does he end the execution of the Jews, but he ends up executing Haman. And because of who Mordecai is, because of how great and honored he was, Mordecai ends up becoming the second in command in the king's empire. And so God used Esther and Mordecai, two foreign people, two people that had no business in this area, to rise up and become put in positions of authority to help save his chosen people. And as Christians, we look back at this and we're like, of course. Because God had a purpose for the people of Israel. God wasn't about to let an empire wipe out his chosen people. Because he was going to protect those people, and it's from the people of Israel. He sent us his perfect son to be our perfect sacrifice, so that not only are the Jewish people saved, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, all people are redeemed under God, are redeemed under the blood, and are made righteous in God's eyes, and we have our relationship restored with God. But it's moments like this, it's moments like God working in Esther's life, in my life, in your life, that he is having that entire plan work out and take place. Whether we acknowledge it or not, God is on the move. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And so then it's just up to us to realize what is God actually doing. So as we're looking at this, what are, some, what are some truths that we can pull from this story? What can we take from Esther's story and apply it to our life today? Truth number one, don't underestimate God because he is omnipotent and present, working even when he seems conspicuously absent. You see, for Esther and for Mordecai in this story, we might not necessarily see them recognize God moving in the story, but God is moving in the story. And I don't know what season of life you're in. Maybe you're going through a similar season. You know, whether we like it or not, as Christians, we're, we're always going to face those days where, where maybe uh, the relationship isn't going the way we wanted to, or, or that job doesn't, isn't panning out the way we thought it was, or, or our family life or the diagnosis isn't quite what we wanted it to be. And we all find ourselves at moments where well, we'll be praying and we'll be trying to find God working in the scenario, but sometimes we, we feel like we're talking to an empty room. 
And we find ourselves questioning, God, are you really there? But I promise you this, it's not until sometimes we get through that season of life, when we're brought through the storm, that we can look back and we can see what God was able to do. And it becomes not just a stressful moment in our life, a bad season in our life, but it's a time to celebrate how God was able to pull us through that storm. See, the great thing about our God is that his work, his plan, his control over the situation isn't dependent on our awareness of him. Our faith in God isn't based on an emotional feeling that we feel when we think we're connected to God. It is a faith built on trust and knowing that God's character doesn't change and God is always in control and God will have the final victory. The psalmist says it best. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You see, God is at work in our lives whether we see it or not. And there's times where we'll notice it in the storm and there's sometimes we won't notice it until after. But I promise you, God is there. He is in control. Truth number two. Don't overestimate pagan power. For God can work through his greatest enemies to serve his greatest purpose. You know, one of, one of the things about Haman in, in this story is he's clearly the bad guy. I think. You can read it for yourself, but he's clearly the bad guy. You know, he, he has his pride take place. He has selfish desires. He wants to go against God's people and eliminate them for his own reasons. And when you see this guy, when you see he's the second most powerful guy in the kingdom, he has the authority to bring some true destruction. And honestly, Esther could have looked at that and been like, why would I go against him? Why would I go against this powerful guy? Who am I? I I was just an orphan girl. I have no authority against them. That could have been her reaction. But because of who Haman was, just because he was a guy with power, it didn't stop her from doing what God had called her to do. And it didn't stop her from being obedient to knowing that God had a plan for the Jewish people. And sometimes as people, we have to face the same struggle. You know, As, as people... Sometimes we give other people in our life more authority than they deserve. Sometimes we see other people in our life and, and, and we base everything we do, everything we want to be off of what they think or off of their acceptance or, or how they'll respond to us. But I tell you this, as the church under the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry about what other people think. Our value isn't based off other people in this world. The people that might rise up against us have no authority over us as long as we are under the covering of Jesus Christ because it is through Jesus Christ that God sees us as whole, as perfect, how he gives us a purpose, he gives us a calling. And nothing that any man can do can ever stand up to the power and the glory of God. Amen? Truth number three. Don't overestimate Satan's strategy. 
Although Satan is seeking to bring destruction, God is working for our good. And it's a very similar truth, but there's something that, um, that as I was writing this, I feel like God was really convicting me. And, it, and it's the, the power of spiritual warfare. You know, we, we look at stories like Esther's, and, and we love to talk about how God was able to move in those situations. But sometimes we ignore the fact that there is an enemy that's also in the story. That there's an enemy in our life. That there is someone that, as much as God wants us to build our relationship with him, there is an enemy, and his name is Satan, who's trying to pull us away from God. And so I encourage you guys to take the time to just pray to the Lord. Ask for his spirit to be working in your life. Because as long as we continue to keep our focus on God and the power of his spirit then we'll always know that even though there's an enemy out to get us through the cross and through the blood of Jesus Christ, that is the final victory. And Satan and hell can't keep a stronghold on us because we know that our God is greater. In 1 John, it's said perfectly, it says, You dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I love that. And then truth number four, don't underestimate your kingdom significance. God uses the most unlikely people for his greatest work. You know, Esther could have, could have looked at her situation and she could have let all these doubts fill her. You know, I, I'm in a foreign land. I was just an orphan. You know, to her, she, she could have thought maybe it was a coincidence that she became the queen. But the thing is, is that Esther's story and Mordecai's story and, and stories that we see in Scripture, it's the same story in our lives today. God has a calling and a purpose for my life, for your life, for each and every one of our lives. And like I said before, his, his plan, his purpose is not subject to what we think of ourselves for what we believe that we can do. Because at the end of the day, when we're living our life for God, when we're living with his spirit dwelling in us, it's not our actions that are living it out, but it's his spirit working through us. And it's not a situation where it's, God, look what I was able to do for you, but Rather, it is, God, look what you were able to do through me. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. I want to close today um, just sharing with you guys a, a quick quote from Pastor John Nelson Darby. It says, God's ways are behind the scenes, but he moves all the scenes he is behind. God's ways are behind the scenes, but he moves all scenes that he is behind. Esther didn't necessarily know what God was up to. Mordecai didn't necessarily know what God was doing in the situation. But when we look at this book, what we see happen is God's people in a lost land, in an exiled land, facing elimination 
And through working through individual lives, through working behind the scenes, God brought them to a place where not only did they survive, but they were in a place of protection and better off than anything they could have imagined. And then we see how that continues to play out all the way up to today. So as we close, I just want to share with you a quick story. The last time I spoke on a Sunday, I, um, I talked about my wedding day. I talked about, um, you know, a great day that my wife and I were able to celebrate, but I didn't go into the details of, of the next couple of days after it. Um, my wife and I, we got married on a Saturday, um, a great day. But then after, or on our wedding day, my dad was rushed to the emergency room. He ended up going, went into emergency open heart surgery. Uh, life-threatening surgery. Um, And I had recently just left the job because my wife and I were getting ready to move to a new town. Um, So going into our wedding, Natalie didn't have a job. I had just started a job, and and we got back from the hospital after going through the surgery with my dad. And and sure enough, I I go into the office, and they say, you know, budgets are tight, and and we got to let you go. Um, So Saturday was really fun. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday were not so fun, but um, I wouldn't say it was a moment where I wouldn't say I, I lost faith or I didn't see God, but I definitely wasn't looking for how God was moving in this situation. I wasn't consciously saying, God, I see you present here. It wasn't until I started looking back, once everything kind of worked out, that I see those situations, I see the struggles that we went through right off the bat really as a blessing that God gave us in our life. You know, to this day, if I'm ever talking to anyone about, you know, our wedding or marriage, I look back at that time and I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, because because of the struggles, God brought Natalie and I closer together than, than we ever probably would have if it wasn't for that situation. And even though I didn't see God moving in that moment, I I didn't have a choice but to lean on him. You know, I didn't feel God's presence, but I definitely leaned on him in those moments. And looking back, I really see that as probably a a pillar of my spiritual walk. Because I was put in a situation where I had to trust God, even though I necessarily didn't want to feel like it. But it's those moments, it's those scenarios that we don't necessarily see God working in our lives that we can look back and actually thank God for the fruits and the blessings that he can pull out of them. God's at work even if we don't see it. And that's something to be celebrated in the storms even when we don't want to. And it's to be celebrated afterwards when he's pulled them out of us. Will you guys stand with me today as we pray out? And as I pray, um, one thing to keep in mind, some homework assignments I would give you guys is take some time and read the book of Esther. You know, it's 10 chapters. It's relatively short, but don't allow your growing in, in in this series to be just limited to Sunday mornings, but take some time and let the scriptures um, speak to you. 
You can do it with your family. You can do it on your own at small group, whatever it may be. But take some time to do that throughout these next four weeks. But then we also have these devotions available for you guys in your worship guide. Uh, They're out at Guest Central. And we're giving these out. Uh, This is a series that we're doing in adult services as well as students and kids. So the whole church is coming together for this series. So take these devotions and do them at home and, and allow this to be not only a time for God to speak to you personally, but, but also as a congregation, as a family to go closer together. But Lord, we love you today. We thank you. Uh, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your character. We thank you for your steadfastness. That even though we may not see you, even though we might not feel your presence, God, we trust and we know that you are there. That you hold the world in your hands. That you are the ultimate victory, God. So Lord, as we we leave here today, when we find ourselves in those seasons of feeling distant from you or not feeling you there, God, I ask that you just continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord. To allow us to continue to trust that you are there. That you are at work that when we get through those seasons of feeling distant, we'll be able to celebrate how you actually use those times to grow in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.